Um, I don't remember who was supposed to read today. Uriah is supposed to read today. Uriah, it's time for you to read today. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men or by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever, amen. Amen. What a blessing. Galatians. This is actually one of the books that has influenced church history, especially the Protestant Reformation, almost more than any other book. Uh, I'm not going to say more than any because Romans is there, but almost any other book Galatians has. This is a special book. Um, as we get started today, let's go ahead and pray before we go dive into the Word. Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We just pray that you just open our hearts to be focused on you as we seek your will, as we seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paul the Apostle, not from man or by man, but by Jesus Christ, Paul starts his letter to Galatians stating that he was commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. We remember that this happened on the road to Damascus when he was persecuting Jews and a bright light came from heaven and blinded him physically so he could be spiritually seen. And he said, Paul, Paul, or Solo, Solos, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus. And so Paul, even though he's not one of the disciples, you can't go into the, the Gospels and find Paul's name there. He was commissioned by Jesus Christ. So he has a bit of authority to preach And so he's writing this letter to the church in Galatia, which he himself had established on one of his mission trips. And he begins his letter, and this, this introduction is a standard greeting for Christians at the time. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul adds a statement, which is curious. Who gave himself over for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age? According to the will of God, the Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's this evil age that gives us question, isn't it? What does that mean? 
You ever thought about it? This evil age, this present evil age? God gave the Messiah Jesus to die on the cross to save us from this present evil age. Does that mean that the devil is in control? Does this mean that God doesn't have dominion over this age if it's evil? Which is commonly argued, right? If God is good and there's evil in the world, then he either is not all-powerful or he's not in control or he's not loving. Right? We, how many of you guys have heard that argument before? It's a classic from Greek. We know that God is not some distant figure that's out there that has no control over this age. God is in control. But not often, he does not take control often like the way we think he should. To just eradicate evil from the world. Make things like persecution not happen. Like that story of Rebecca. And why does God allow, if he's in control, why does he allow such things to happen? We know that Jesus is, we call him what, king of kings, lord of lords. God is love. Then why would such a king, dominion over all, allow such things to happen? I turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God of this age has binded to the minds of the unbelievers, keeping them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Look at that. The God of this age... In this present evil age, there's a God of this age. Notice it's all in lower caps. Because it's not the God of Israel. It's not Yahweh. It's not Jesus. We've given him the name Hasatan, Satan. It's a title, not a name. Actually, nowhere in the scriptures is he given a name. Even Lucifer, the morning star, is a title. He doesn't get a title. He doesn't get a name. We don't need his name. We know he's the adversary. And that's what Hasatan means, the adversary. And that's why when Jesus says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. He's not calling him the devil. He's saying, you are my adversary at this moment because you are causing me to be tempted. And so we know, according to the scriptures, that there is a God over this age who we call the adversary, who has the major influence over the minds to express the ideas, goals, hopes, views, of the majority of the people turned over because of our iniquity. Because we done done messed up. Because we said, God, 
I think I can choose better than you. Every time we are given a choice, we sin. It's really just like in the Garden of Eden, that choice. Do we want to choose what God has chosen for us or to say, I can do it better than you if I just had a little bit, if I just went this other path? And so we mess up. And he has influence over the philosophies, the education, the commerce, the religions. They've all sprung up on lies. Created. Philosopher might tell you, it was actually interesting, uh, an interesting book, What is Philosophy, the other day. And um, many philosophers will tell you they're trying to get at the heart of, of knowledge, trying to figure out how the world works. Another author I read, not a Christian, he says what you're actually doing, what they're actually doing is creating a way in which to handle the chaos around them. Because that's what it is. It's a creation. This is a non-Christian saying this. It's a creation of something to handle the, all the chaos around them and to make sense of it. And so if that is the case, they are creating their own religions away from God. Because he's already given us a way to handle the chaos around them, which is Jesus Christ. There are their own religions. And what we see in the scriptures, there's actually three, there's a, there's a trinity in the scripture. How do you guys know the trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Well, the adversary has mimicked it in the scriptures. There's the flesh, right? What's our flesh? Those sinful desires that are within us that do us more harm than good. Because there's the, the fast way out, that, that I want to feel good, the instant gratification, that sinful desire of the flesh. There's the world, which in most cases in the scripture, especially the New Testament, when they say the world, they're actually meaning the Roman way of thought. There's the world, the ideas, customs, desires, which have rejected God and and refused to come under his kingdom and lined up with the teachings. The world, so there's the flesh, the world, and then Hasatan. Satan, the adversary, who rules over this present evil age. And so when we come across things, we say, well, Satan made me do it. Well, it may not have been Satan. It may have been your own sinful desires out of your flesh. It's still part of this evil age, influenced by the master of this age. I got peer pressured by the world. That may be why you gave in to sin. Isn't that a big problem we have, right? I mean, all the other American Christians are doing it. But in this present evil age, it says that we are saved. Galatians 1 through 5, go on. Um, 
Jesus gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. And this is going to set the tone of the whole rest of the book. It's all, this rest of the book is about freedom from this present evil age. It's a wonderful book. It's about freedom. We are speaking about a world in which God has allowed Satan to rule over and influence a majority of the people because of our own choices, because we're following a path of destruction. But he has sent a rescuer. You might call it a savior. A rescuer from the bonds of our evil age, not to remove us from it. Not like Jesus comes in and kills everyone who accepts him, right? But to remove us, deliver us out of the power of this evil age. Abraham Lincoln, you guys know him, right? If you don't, he was our 16th president. <laughs> Did some really wonderful things. Did some really bad things, too. But he made a quote. Maybe you know it. The Emancipation Proclamation. January 1st, 1863. I read just the first line. All persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of of a state, the people wherein shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall then, thenceforth, and forever free. This is a great slate. Abraham freed the slaves in these United States. Well, declaring those who are part of the South free. He doesn't actually free the North in that statement. But that's another story. But he sets them on a path to rescue them from the imprisonment out of slavery, from under the power of their masters. But he does not remove them from the United States. It's not like he shipped them all out. There was a movement to do that. That's where Liberia comes from. There was a moment to shift them all back to Africa. That didn't work. He does not remove them from Africa, from, from back to Africa. He, you're part of the United States now. I'm not talking about all the other stuff that happens afterwards. He doesn't place them on a reservation either like he does the Native Americans. That's another story too. What he does, he says, you're free, and he lets them be. And we, too, have been freed from the master of the God of this age and this evil, but we are still in this world. We are still part of it, but you are no longer under the rule of Hasatan. He has rescued us. Colossians 1.13 He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transformed us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. That's a beautiful statement, right? He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. 
You didn't transfer physically, but you are no longer part of the domain of darkness. You are transferred, transformed into the kingdom of God. That's what the church is. The church isn't this building. We don't actually even have to meet at this church. Whenever two of you are together, guess what? You're the church. We don't have to have services every Sunday. We, you're the church. I'm glad you guys do come. I, I'm not saying don't come. I like you guys being here. But we don't have to. Wherever two of you gather, there's the church. You meet, yourself, meet each other at, the, at, at Smith's, there's the church. You have a small gathering at your house, there's the church. You go to the gym, there's the church. It doesn't have to be Laughlin Community Church. When you meet someone from Praise Chapel, there's the church. Because we have been transformed from the present age of darkness, this present evil age, into the kingdom of God. He rescues us. And being rescued, we are not slaves to the sin anymore. When you were not under the dominion of God, you were not transferred into the kingdom of God. You were a slave to the sinful natures. You know what that that means? It means you don't have a choice. You know, sometimes we judge those out in the world. Wow, look at that behavior. They don't have a choice you really cared about them you wouldn't judge them you would take the love of jesus christ because they don't have a choice they're slaves the god of this present evil age but when you have come under the authority of god through the Uh, The God the Father, through the blood of Jesus Christ, enabled by the Holy Spirit, you have been freed. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, we we call it, we we say it easy, right? If you've accepted Him, admitted that you need a Savior, believed in Him with your heart, and confessed Him with your mouth, Romans says, believe in Him and confess Him, and you will be saved. If you have, then you are no longer under the slavery. Yet some of us live like we are still slaves. I don't have a choice. I've got that problem. And absolutely, you've got that problem. You know why the problem you're not overcoming it? Because you're trying to do it alone. Which is a lie you have been fed by the God of this present evil age. What's that mean? That means if we have been freed, sometimes we've gotten comfortable with the way it used to be, just like those, Egypt, those Israelites in the Canaan of Egypt. Well, at least in Egypt, 
That whole book is a whole metaphor for our freedom from slavery of this present evil age. At least while I was under Jesus, I didn't have that. You know, while I was under, you know, the present evil age, I didn't have problems with my friend. I had friends. I had a good time. I had, uh, you know, I was able to just steal whatever I wanted, you know. I didn't have to pay for my music. Movies? Of course, I just still stole it from my neighbor. Why not? And sometimes we put ourselves under Satan's rule for, by our choice. I just can't get over it. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. Getting out of our comfort zone is never easy. It's like that spouse who's been abused for years and years. It's easier just to stay abused than it is to get out. At least if they stay, then the church won't, won't judge them for being divorced, right? Because abuse apparently we're okay with, but divorce we're not. This is lies from the God of this present evil age. And as we think about that, as we prepare ourselves for what's coming in this book of, about freedom, we ask ourselves, well, what's my next steps, right? That's always, what, what am I supposed to do with this event? What am I doing next? First thing is, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are still slave to the punishment of this world, evil age, God of this evil age. And so your next step may be to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, that may be your next step. Say, I need to accept Jesus. Make him the king of my life, which is not something we, we, we are real good about, right? We don't have kings in our, pro, our current situation. We don't really know what it means to come underneath a king. We have presidents that we don't like. What is a king? And so we ask, oh, what does it mean to become a king? And maybe that's where you're at. You need I have, maybe I've accepted him as the Savior, but I need to think about what does it mean to make him king of my life? Maybe there's some chains that God, Jesus has freed you from, call them sins, maybe habitual sins, that you're still struggling to get free of. And you, your next step is to take the steps, whether that's counseling or just telling someone that can, you can be an accountability partner you know, someone to check your internet browsing history. Uh, you know, get rid of your computer altogether if that's your problem. You know, give away if it's greed. I mean, what are your next steps? As we continue to pray about freedom, about this, we have to say, well, am I living like I'm free from the slaves of the chains of this present evil age? And so that's my challenge. What does it mean to be free from the God of this present evil age? And how does it look in the life to come? Am I giving in to the world? Even if that world says it's Christian. What do I mean by that? 
there are a lot of American Christians out there that are not living American Christian, uh, Christian lives. They're just American Christians. Yes, American Christianity is a real thing, and it's not good. <laughs> you can be an American and a Christian. That's wonderful. American Christianity has become something that's not good. Judges other nations. It pushes war. The Pax Americana. We had the Roman peace, right, in the ancient world. Well, now we have the American peace. We're going to enforce all our rules, make sure we keep the peace by force. And American Christianity is one of the pushers for this, which is accepting the Roman world view. I say, well, it's okay if I have an abortion, because that's not really killing someone. I mean, if you had abortion in the past, I'm sorry for what put you in that situation. It's still not okay. <laughs> but there's hope moving forward. It's child sacrifice. You know, when people accepted Jesus Christ, they came from cultures where child sacrifice was normal. Or versions of it. We have evidence that it was looked down upon in many cultures and accepted by others. <laughs> Christians have been against abortion since the second century uh, when the Romans were pushing. The Romans had abortion way back in, 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 in AD 100. The abortion, abortion was a thing, and Christians have been against it since the beginning. See what Christians used to do? They used to go and take the children and raise them as their own. Maybe that's where you're at. What are your next steps as you are free from the God of this present evil age? Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for the wonderful blessing of your word, Lord. I pray, and I thank you for just freeing us from the God of this present evil age, Lord, delivering us into hope. But Lord, we pray for those who are still trapped in this evil age. Lord, we pray that, you, that as we are living in it, that we may be a hope, a light, and may show your love. But don't let us befall to, the, the, to, to, to where we're judgmental and cynical and, and, and without hope, because we know that's all too tempting. Help us to show your love and to find hope and to live in hope. I pray for the congregation of Laughlin Community Church that they may be your light in this area and through the world. According to the will of our God the Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.